Good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. Welcome to Rome. If you don't mind, take a moment and turn off your cell phone so you'll have no interruptions during our service. If you're visiting with us, we are thankful that you are here and we ask you to stick around so we can get you to know you a little bit better. Uh, fill out a visitor's card in the pew in front of you and let us know if we can help you in any way and we can have a record of you being here. Uh, if you're visiting, we have a nursery over here if you need it. We have children's church in the back and you'll be dismissed for that at the appropriate time for kids up to second grade. Members, please pick up a Rome journal in the back. News and notes, all the goings on, activities, uh, sick list and everything for the folks here at Rome. Uh, Dave will have those announcements at the end of our service. Uh, I'll be reading this morning from Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all of the earth. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. Would you stand, please? We can begin our worship service this morning. First hymn this morning, number 362, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. <clears throat> also, for Children's Bible Hour, it has been changed to include the third grade as well. So everybody from the small ones to the third grade are now involved in Children's Bible Hour. Joyful, <laughs> 
Next hymn this morning, number 501, O Worship the King. <clears throat> After this hymn, Brother Jerry Fry will have our scripture reading and prayer. <clears throat> o Worship the King, O Glorious of and grateful I'd like to read it, follow along this morning. The reading has been chosen is from the first book of John, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. First John 2, 18 through 22. <coughs> Little children is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. 
They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know it not you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Would you bow with me, please, as we go to God in prayer? Kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day that you've blessed us with and for the privilege of assembly, and we're grateful for all those that have made the effort to come out and worship you this morning. And for those that can't make it out, Father, we pray for them. We know that they long to be here and just pray that they be encouraged and strengthened. Father, we're mindful of many on our prayer list at this time. We just pray that you'll continue to be with um, Jerry. We're grateful that uh, his surgery went well and just pray for a speedy recovery for him. And we're mindful of Cheryl Egner's nephew, mm -hmm. Isaac. Just uh, pray that you'll be with him. And uh, we know that his situation is critical and just pray that you'll be with Cheryl and all of the family. Dottie Hager, Pray that you'll be with her great-grandson as well that's dealing with RSV and continue to be with, we're grateful that Jimmy Wilbus is doing as well as he is. Beverly Edwards is out with us this morning uh, and grateful for that. And also Pat Kelly that she's with us. Just pray that you'll continue to be with them and may they continue to get uh, better and better. We're grateful that Jackie Hutchison's surgery went well and that you blessed them with travel mercies and just pray that... Uh, they got all of Jackie's uh, cancer and that uh, she'll not have to deal with that anymore, Father. Just be with her and Jeff and the rest of the family. Continue to be others with others, Father. Marvin uh, Jordan and Judy Jordan and uh, Ben Parker uh, with uh, Maddie Parker's uh, friend Brent. His mother's in serious condition. Just pray that you'll be with her and bless her as well, Father. And there are those that are dealing uh, with loss of loved ones, uh, Amber Payne passing of uh, her cousin unexpectedly just pray that you be with her and the rest of the family father and there's others that that I'm leaving out and just pray that you'll be with them and bless them as well continue to be with us father we're grateful for every visitor that we've had come our way this morning and if there be one uh, in our attendance this morning that has uh, given consideration to putting your son on and baptism and being baptized into that watery grave, Father, and arise and walk in newness of life. We do, it is my prayer that they do that this very morning. Continue to be with us and bless us, and Father, pick us up when we fall short of your glory. And it's through your Son that I do ask all these things. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 859, He Paid a Debt. He did
Have you ever um, thought about a place or studied a place and wondered um, or had something pictured in your mind how it was and then you got to go and see it for real? Um, I don't know if it was uh, a ball field or um, some of those kind of things. And I always remember, I'll, I'll talk about this picture here in just a second. When I was a little kid, um, and you kids who are kids nowadays, don't get to experience Mr. Cartoon. Anybody remember Mr. Cartoon on Channel 3? All right, very good. Ask your parents or grandparents. Um, yeah, probably grandparents. Um, anyway, so I remember being a little kid, and I think, James, you were probably there. You probably remember this, and I remember going in. So Mr. Cartoon was this show that was on Channel 3, and uh, the weatherman, Jewel Huffman, used to dress up in this, he wasn't a clown, but he dressed up in this, suit and he would host this show that whenever you got home from school you get to watch cartoons because we didn't have cable and it was the greatest show of all time and uh, what it would be is they would have an audience of kids from all around the tri-state and if you ever got to be on the Mr. Cartoon show you were uh, it was a big deal I mean it was like the Super Bowl for kids so anyway I remember and you had this vision of it and I went in and you get into this little place and it's this little room it was just so small and it looked so different uh, from what I had imagined and it was uh, amazing to um, to see that as a young child but it also made me see the world a little bit differently and see the the story of what you know went on in Mr. Cartoon but I want to use that as we talk about this picture so this uh, August so about three months ago almost four now I guess uh, I had the opportunity to travel to Israel and we spent a lot of time uh, in and around Jerusalem. And this is a picture of the walls of Jerusalem. And it was in August, so it was really hot, um, but it was during the daytime. What was interesting to me is seeing all of these sites, and I know, Jim, you've been, to, you've been there. I don't know if anybody else has had the opportunity to travel there. We read and read and read of... Um, the Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, and all of these things, and we all have in our mind what it's like, and I don't know what you picture, and, and as we get to take the Lord's Supper, one of the things I always try to do is visualize Jesus in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, and visualize um, 
him going to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and, the, and the apostles and the guards and Peter following him. And I don't know how I had it in my head, but I didn't realize in my head how hilly the city of Jerusalem is. I mean, it is built on a hill, but it makes sense as ancient cities um, built on flat ground that's easy to get to didn't last the cities very long because they were uh, taken over. So, you know, Jerusalem is up on this hill. And I don't know if you remember the Kidron Valley uh, talked about, you know, in the Old Testament is where they burnt the Asherah poles. And it's, that's what you're looking at is you're looking over the Kidron Valley into uh, the city of Jerusalem. I always thought the Kidron Valley was this huge valley, but we would call it a holler. Um, it's kind of across the holler from the Mount of Olives. So the Mount of Olives sits a little higher than the city of Jerusalem, <clears throat> but the city of Jerusalem is a little bit more palatable. The other thing that I found, and I've been to many Bible classes and studied and never, ever, ever dawned on me that the Garden of Gethsemane is at the base of the Mount of Olives. It is a garden that is below the Mount of Olives as you go. And that is where this picture is taken from, is the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's not a very big garden. It's probably not much bigger than this auditorium, actually. And a lot of olive trees. And I'm sure it's changed over the several thousand years. And, but as you would travel in and around Jerusalem, one of the things that I found was interesting about the Garden of Gethsemane, as opposed to some of the other sites in Jerusalem, uh, any, any religious site you know, over the years, uh, crusaders or whatnot would come in and they'd build a big church and then the next one would take over that and build a bigger church. So there was, it was very churchy, if, if I could say that. But the Garden of Gethsemane was not. And it just struck me as I looked across this valley or, you know, across the holler, how, how close Jesus was to the city of Jerusalem. If you can see, I'm trying to lift, yeah, this gate over here is um, the Golden Gate and it is now sealed but that was a gate leading into the city of Jerusalem. And as we imagine, we're going to read here in Matthew 26, if you want to turn to there, where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in my mind, I always had it as Jesus was kind of off and, and far away from the city. But as you can see, he probably was able to, you know, the temple is just to the right of that gate. You could see the temple, you know, in a way that you could see any other uh, major monument. And it was just uh, fascinating to me as we got to stand there and look and think of, uh, you know, Jesus. He could, he could hear, um, not only see, but could hear uh, the people coming to arrest him because there's, uh, it's just right there. So I want to read, if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 26, um, and we will start with verse 45 as we prepare our minds for taking the Lord's Supper. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is approaching, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us go. Look, my betrayer is approaching. You just imagine in the middle of the night, you could see the torches coming down out of the gate, walking down the holler, walking down the hill, and coming at him. To me, it, it just shows Jesus could have easily, when he saw them, he could have easily skirted away in the dark, could have easily gotten away however that's not what he did verse 47 while he was still speaking Judas one of the twelve arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent by the chief priest and the elders of the people now the betrayer had given them a sign saying the one I kiss is the man arrest him 
Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and took hold of Jesus and arrested him. But one of those with Jesus grabbed a sword, drew it out, and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back in its place, for all who take hold of the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my father and that he would send me more than 12 legions of angels right now? How then would the scriptures that say it must happen this way be fulfilled? At that moment, Jesus said to the crowd, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me like you would an outlaw? Day after day I sat teaching in the temple courts, yet you did not arrest me. But this has happened so that the scriptures of the prophets would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. After that moment, Jesus, as we know, was arrested, taken back, taken back into Jerusalem, tried, and then crucified for our sins, which is why we are here today. And this uh, Lord's Supper, which we remember the sacrifice of his body and his blood uh, for our remission of sins, um, is as relevant now as it has ever been. And uh, I just wanted to share with you some of my experience when, when I was over there to hopefully help us better understand and, and realize how real and how um, uh, intimate the uh, stories are or the accounts of the events are uh, in our in our scriptures. Let us pray as we bless the bread. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. We pray that our worship is according to your will and in truth and in spirit. We pray that you will bless this bread, which represents Jesus' body as he died for us on the cross. We thank you for this memorial as it helps us to focus and, and realize what, what all that uh, your plan is for us, and we pray that you will bless it as we now partake of it. It's through Jesus we do pray. Amen.
Let's pray. Dear Lord, again, we come before you asking your blessing on the fruit of the vine, representing Jesus' blood as he died for us on the cross. We pray that you'll bless it as we partake of it. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. While been on the floor, we take this time to take up the offering um, that we do every week, and we'll ask that the Lord bless this. Dear Lord, again, we come before you. We pray that you will bless this offering that we are about to give. We pray that the offering will be used to further your kingdom. We pray that we will do so with a cheerful heart, and we pray that we will do so according to your will. Bless this offering and go with us. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen.
Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 870. I'm happy today. 870. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <coughs> I'm happy today, oh yes, I'm happy today, in Jesus Christ. I'm happy today, because He paid your love, I did a great and I'm happy today. I'm singing today, oh yes, I'm singing today, in Jesus Christ. I'm singing today, because He paid your love. Invitation to him this morning, number 667. There is power in the blood. <clears throat> Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, with uh, famous questions that a lot of folks ask. Um, and so this is one of the questions that a lot of people in the religious world and outside the religious world Ask and it's gotten uh, even more prevalent since COVID uh, began. Uh, people thought that they could see the sign of the end time, of the end of time in COVID or in the most recent dictator or in the most recent war or fill in the blank. There seems to be a prevalent thought in our world that there's going to be some sort of indication uh, of uh, the end of time right before Jesus comes back. You're going to be able to figure it out when that will happen. Um, there's been several popular books written on this topic. They are fantasy. <laughs> they, you will find them in the fantasy sections of uh, bookstores. Uh, if you look for them on Amazon, I think um, Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth may have been the first uh, of this genre that kind of dealt with some of these topics. If you look on Amazon for these things, they are in the fantasy section. They are not in the self-help section. Do not help yourself by buying into these doctrines. They are not in the, uh, the historical section because this is not history. These are fantasy um, topics and thoughts that people have made up. You will not be able to know when the end of time is coming. That's kind of the point. We'll talk about that in just a second. But this question, who is the Antichrist, seems to have been one of those questions that people have latched onto um, and have helped pervade. This, um, this doctrine, this idea. So we're going to deal with it this morning. I don't have all the answers to this question. The texts that deal with this particular subject uh, are difficult, and uh, I don't know all the answers here. Uh, I know some things that it's not, uh, and I know it's not what the majority of the religious world says it is, because that's not what the Bible teaches, and we'll talk about that. Um, but actually pinpointing what this is, 
that may have been a bit, may be a bit of a disappointment because uh, I'm not sure we can pinpoint it today. But let's walk through it. Flip over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is where uh, the, the, the thought comes from. You're not going to find the word Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That comes from a different passage. I think the two passages are related. Um, many scholars think that they are related. I agree. Um, we'll deal with that in just a second. So, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, <clears throat> starting in verse, um, let's start in verse 1. But let me set the scene for you. So, Thessalonica is a congregation, it's an area, it's a city in which Paul goes to, right? Uh, he's going to leave Philippi and he heads to Thessalonica. He gets imprisoned in Philippi, right? Uh, and is, is kind of forced to leave Philippi by the government officials. When he gets to Thessalonica, some of that same hatred that he's going to encounter in Macedonia is there. Um, and so he doesn't get to stay very long. He's only there for something like three weeks, about a month, uh, is all the time he gets to spend with the Thessalonians. But during that time, he's going to convert many of them. And so the church is there, but Paul has to leave there for, for personal safety reasons. He can't stay in Thessalonica. And so he is forced to leave and he goes on to Berea and on, into other works that you know well, I'm sure. My point is, he didn't get to share with them all the things that he wants to tell them. He doesn't share all the things with you and I in the book of the Second Thessalonians that we wish he would. <laughs> For whatever reason, he's going to leave us in the dark, um, at least in relation to one thing that it would be really nice if he had put in there. <laughs> but all that to say, he doesn't get to spend a ton of time with the Thessalonians. One of the major tenets that he's going to teach them, one of the things that they're going to be devout in believing is that Jesus will come back. That is happening. And currently, we're living in the last days. That's what Paul would tell them. These are the last days. In fact, this is the last hour. That's the way the New Testament writers, all of them, are going to refer to the days that they live in. So do you live in the last hour? Is this the last age? Unequivocally, yes. This is the last hour. Um, we talk about the doomsday clock sometimes in, in political scenarios, and they count how close it is to midnight and all that kind of stuff. We're one minute away. You know, Jesus could come back at literally any moment. And you're familiar with that, that thought. I know the Thessalonians were super familiar with that thought. Uh, Paul had drilled that into their heads. In fact, they thought that they should just quit their jobs. And you're going to find that throughout the rest of this letter. Um, as you read through it this week, you'll, you'll, you'll read that these folks have, some of them have just quit their jobs and they're relying on the church to take care of their 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 necessities, their bills and their food and all that kind of stuff. Since Jesus is coming back very, very soon, we should just be together and we can encourage each other and we can, we can grow from each other and we can, we can stay away from the world. And, and what they want seems to be a really admirable thing. They would just want to be with the church. Paul says, well, you got to work until he comes back. you got to work financially. You got to be able to financially support yourself. At any rate, one of the things that he wants to pull back on, one of the things that he wants to 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 clarify for them, is the end times. What's going to happen before uh, Jesus comes back? 
That's what 2 Thessalonians 2 is all about. Here it is, starting in verse 1. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, it's the second coming, like when He comes back, right? We're going to be gathered to Him. He's not going to come back and, and reign on the earth for a thousand years. All, all that is, remember, that's in the fantasy section. This, this, um, this question, the Antichrist question, is connected to premillennialism and Jesus reigning for a thousand years on the earth and all that stuff, but that's, that's not Bible. That's, that's in the fantasy section. Um, so when Paul talks about the second coming, when the biblical writers talk about it, uh, and he does in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, gives you exactly what's going to happen at the end of time. Jesus is going to come back. We're going to see him. Every eye is going to see him. He's going to be up in the clouds, and we're going to be transformed, and we're going to rise to meet him in the air. He's not coming back down to the earth. So there's some things that have to happen before that moment can happen. That's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2. So verse 2. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to come from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Some people have been lying to the Thessalonians. Some people had been pretending to be Paul or an apostle, and they had been selling this doctrine to them that Jesus has already come, that it was a, a, a private resurrection, that it was a secret resurrection. He says, no, that also is Fantasy, that is not what will happen. In fact, when Jesus does return, what? Every eye will see him. You're not going to be able to hide under a rock. Revelation pictures that, that moment when people try to, but that, that's foolishness. That's not going to work for you. Um, you can't escape this moment. Uh, everyone will come to judgment. So some people have come to the Thessalonians pretending to have a word from Paul, or maybe it's a letter, and he says, you don't listen to any of that stuff. You know exactly what we taught you. And he's going to clarify it for them here. I think they knew exactly what he was talking about. If they didn't know exactly what he was talking about, why did he write it? Right? He knows that they're going to know exactly what he's talking about. But we're only getting one side of the conversation. We don't know all the things that he told them during that three-week period where he was with them um, when he first converted this congregation. We don't, we're not privy to all those things. Those aren't, those aren't written down for us anywhere. So we don't know that's that part of the conversation. So we're left with, with just one side of the conversation here. So we're a little bit in the dark, but we'll do the best we can here. So some people have come to the Thessalonians in an attempt to pervert the gospel, saying that Jesus has already come. The Thessalonians have gotten left out. Wouldn't that be terrible? If you sacrifice your entire life, you give up everything, and then Jesus comes back and you missed the boat and you didn't know about it, you weren't in the right place, you weren't with the right people, and you just missed out. That's what the Thessalonians think. Paul says, no, no, no. When he does return, you're going to see him. <clears throat> He's coming back for you. All right, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for, all, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So Paul says, that day's coming. Jesus will return. That, that's a surety. You can take that to the bank. He's coming back. You need to live like he's coming back, right? 
Peter's going to talk about what that about that idea. What manner of people ought you be, right? So he's coming back, and you need to be ready for that return. But before that return will happen, there's going to be this falling away. This is this is what he says. Um, the rebellion comes first. And at the head of this rebellion, if we can think about it like that, is this character um, called the man of lawlessness. The, the old King James says has the man of sin. So who is this person? Who is this thing? Well, keep reading. I, I kind of let you in on the secret a little bit. I've got uh, the, th- the, the slide up there uh, with some of these characteristics of who this person or who this thing will be, what this thing will be. Um, I don't think it's a person. I don't think it can be a person. We'll, we'll talk about that. Keep reading the text with me in verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Remember, we're, we're getting one side of the conversation here. For those three weeks, this is some of the stuff he taught them. Jesus is coming back. There's going to be a rebellion first. He's telling them all that stuff. And he says, well, do you guys, do you guys forget that already? It hasn't been that long. He writes this letter pretty quickly after he leaves them to shore up some of this stuff, to shore up their doctrine. And he's, he's pretty much saying, do you guys have short-term memory loss? Like, what's going on? Verse 6, he says, And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. This is the part we're missing. Um, I wish he'd have been a little bit more clear there. Obviously, he didn't have to be more clear there, or he would have, right? Um. I wish we would have known he'd have, he'd, have, he'd have written it out a little bit more clearly there for us. What is restraining um, this man of lawlessness? But he doesn't. And so we're, we're left with, with, this, with this thought that something is, in Paul's day, around the mid-60s, 65 to 67, Paul's going to die. Um, this is about in the 50s, 52, 54, somewhere around in there when he writes the Thessalonian letter. So about 52 years or so after uh, Jesus' birth, uh, the church is about 30 years old now or so, 20 to 25 years old now or so. Um, Thessalonians are brand new in the faith, but <clears throat> this is something that's going on in his day, right? In 52 A.D., 54 A.D., whatever's happening, whatever the man of sin is, the man of lawlessness, lawlessness, lawlessness is, is in his day. That's important. Underline that part. It's, it's happening as he is speaking. Uh, and something is restraining that thing, that man of sin. We don't know what it is. Verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. So I know it's not a person. You know now that it's not a person. This this man of sin, this man of lawlessness, if we can um, talk, put this label on him as Antichrist, and we'll talk about that in just a second, why I think that label might be appropriate for him. Um, if we can put that label on him right now, we know that it's not a person. How do we know that? Well, Paul says that this thing is happening during his day. So unless you're willing to believe that there's a 2,000-year-old person bent on evil, still walking around today looking for trouble, then you can't believe that this is a person. I don't think anybody believes that there's a 2,000-year-old person walking around looking for uh, ways to create evil. This is not a person. Craig. 
verse, where are we at? Verse, uh, verse eight. <clears throat> and then the lawless, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So whatever this power, whatever this thing is, when Jesus comes back, it will look like, remember this is a rebellion, it will look like this thing, this entity has, remember it's not a person, this entity has um, conquered in some way, but Jesus will kill it not with his hand, not with the sword, but with the breath of his mouth, with his words. So it, it's not going to be a fight. Uh, of course, it's not a fight because <coughs> you don't get to fight with God. He just conquers. All right, verse uh, 9, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan and with all power and false signs and wonders. So we now know that whatever this rebellion is, it's going to come with pretend or fake miracles, um, sleight of hand kind of stuff, like the magicians in Las Vegas. They can't really levitate, folks. You know, this is, I hate to bust, you know, don't want to be the one that ruins your day. That's, that's pretend, that's fake, right? So he says that's what these guys are going to be doing. They're going to be doing fake miracles, um, whatever this rebellion is. <clears throat> and so now we know it's not a person, unless you think it is Satan, who is obviously at least 2,000 years old, right? It's not him either, because this thing works with Satan. It's not Satan, it works with him. So it's not a person and it's not Satan. So it can't be an entity. It can't be a single thing. It has to be a, a movement of some sort. Okay. Stick with me. I know this is, this is deep water, right? All right, verse 10. Um, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, let's see if we missed anything um, on, the, on, the, on the screen. This thing is going to demand worship, this, this movement. Um, it puts its place, it puts itself in the place of God. It's not a person. It's not Satan, but whatever this movement or this, this, this line of people, maybe, um, is, it, it will demand worship. It, it says that it is God, and it will try to convince you that it is God by performing these fake or false miracles that he talks about in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. And obviously, Satan's at the, 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 the background of this. He's pushing all this because this is, this is what he wants. Um, okay, so there's something we've already talked about. We know it can't be a person unless you're willing to admit that there's a 2,000-year-old person walking around bent on doing evil. It's just, not, it's just not possible. Whatever this thing is, the beginning stages of it are happening in Paul's day. In 52, 54 AD, that's when it's starting to grow. It's not big enough yet that you can look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's what it is. <coughs> But it's going to get there. But it's kind of in, in its infancy in Paul's day. It's not a person. It can't be a person. 
So anyone that tells you that the man of sin or the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist um, is a single person, you need to take them back to 2 Thessalonians 2.9 and have them explain that to you. How can there be a 2,000-year-old person walking around? Um, very few people are going to believe that. Okay. We're going to come back, I think, maybe, <laughs> to 2 Thessalonians 2. But flip over to 1 John. John's the one who deals with this word, this antichrist word. He's the one that brings it up. And he's the only one. He's the only author in the New Testament that talks about the Antichrist. He's going to talk about it on three occasions. You've got two on the board before you uh, right now, and we'll talk about one in just a second. It's in 1 John and then again in 2 John. But he talks about the Antichrist in this one passage, and he's going to talk about it two times in 1 John 2, 18 through 22. Um, so here it is. It's, it's what was read for you this morning um, by, by Brother Jerry. So here it is again. Listen to Antichrist. Remember, most people are going to think of, when you think of Antichrist, and, and it's kind of made its way into the church in a way, hasn't it? Because when we think of Antichrist, what do you, what's your first thought? Well, there's some political superpower that's going to take over, some maybe Hitler-type person who's going to take over the world, and, and, and through military might and political power, uh, they're going to, to rule, Right? Or some dictator, Saddam Hussein, was called the Antichrist at one point, right? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Various dictators uh, throughout the centuries have been labeled as Antichrist. Are they against Christ? Yes, right? That's literally what Antichrist means, against Christ. Are they? Yes, of course. Are they the capital A Antichrist that John's talking about? No, they're not. Let me tell you what John's talking about, because John's pretty clear. Paul's not incredibly clear in 2 Thessalonians 2. John's pretty clear about what the anti who the Antichrist is here in 1 John 2. Let's read it together. Children, it's the last hour. Remember, that's how the biblical writers refer to the day that they're living in. Jesus can come back at any moment. So it's the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. There's more than one. Oh no. Terrible day, right? Well, that's what John says. There's going to be, and there are currently in his day, in the mid-90s, 90 years after Jesus uh, was born, John is writing 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in Revelation. In his day, there are Antichrists, currently multiple Antichrists in John's day, working. Not one, not one superpower, not one country that's taken over. There's one, there's not one, there's multiple antichrists in his day. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. That's kind of interesting. I wonder, like we said earlier, if 2 Thessalonians 2, the rebellion that Paul said had to come first before Jesus could come back, I wonder if Paul wasn't prophesying something in the mid-50s that John's currently living out in the mid-90s. Are they with me? That was a lot. Stop and think about it. I'm not sure I'm right about this. <laughs> but I do know that it's not a person. I do know that it's not a single country because it's not a country. John's clear, right? We'll talk about what he says the Antichrist is in just a second. But I think what, at least right now, I'm 40. When I'm 80, I may have a different opinion. 
men that I respect who have been preaching for 40 more years than I do have different opinions, and that's fine. So you may have a different opinion about who the Antichrist, or not, you won't have a different opinion about who the Antichrist is because John's clear. But whether these two passages are connected, you may have a different opinion there. Uh, and that's fine, as long as you don't believe that it's a single person. The Bible teaches that it's not, or a single country, because the Bible teaches that it's not. So I'm thinking that the rebellion that Paul says has to come before Jesus' second coming may be the rebellion and the apostasy that John's currently living out 40 years in the future from Paul. Because he says this is the last hour. We know that this is the last hour because this rebellion has taken place. That's exactly what Paul said. There's got to be a rebellion first and then Jesus can come. John's simply saying the rebellion's happening right now so Jesus can come at any moment. That's a thought you're familiar with, right? It's something Paul thought as well. Okay, verse 19. Who actually is the Antichrist? Well, let's talk about it. There's not the Antichrist, it's Antichrist. Anyhow, verse 19. <coughs> they went out from us. Who did? The Antichrists. They went out from us. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. The Antichrists were, a, were members of the church that John's talking to. Everybody with me? Keep a reading. They went out from us, but they were not of us. They, they never really bought into faith. They were never really Jesus's. They pretended like they were. They may have acted like they were, and they may have fooled everyone in the congregation that they really were righteous, but God knew them all along, and they were not who they said they were. He talks about that in a couple of places, right? One of those places is, is the, the parable of the sower. You remember there's four soils, right? One soil is good ground, right? One soil is, that was a weird way to do that, <laughs> one soil is uh, good ground and one soil is, um, is bad soil. And so the, the seed, the word of God just won't sink down into either one of those places, into the bad soil. It sinks down solid into the, the good soil. And then that leaves two soils that it sinks down into, but those people never really, they don't really come to faith, do they? They, they, they have faith for a little bit, but when hard times come, um, then they leave, right? I think that's the type of people that he's talking about um, here. They, they were baptized, they were members of the church, but something happened and they were pushed um, and when hard times happened, they backed out and they became anti-Jesus, against Jesus, or in his words, anti-Christs. So they went out from us, they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, Right? If they'd really been um, righteous, if they'd really bought into who Jesus is and the type of life that he wants us to live, they would have, they would have stuck with it, right? You can lose your salvation. That's what, it's one of the things, it's one of the ramifications of what John's saying. It's possible to lose your salvation. These people did it. And now they are anti, they've set themselves up against Jesus. All right, verse, um, verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. These people bought into a lie. You know the truth. That's what John's telling his readers. You know it. You stay steady. You keep, stay the course. Verse 22. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 
this is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. So who's the Antichrist? Was it Hitler? No. Was it Saddam Hussein? No. Will it be some future superpower? No. It will not be a political superpower. It will not be a military superpower. Who is the Antichrist? It is anyone who is against Christ. Specifically, using John's words, it is members of the church who have turned their backs on him and now try to pull other people away from him. Everybody with me? Okay. Here's why we know it can't be what the world normally thinks of when they think Antichrist. They normally think, oh, there's going to be some sort of big political superpower, military power <coughs> that will rise up in the world and this rebellion will be against God. And at that moment, you know that Jesus is coming back because here the rebellion has happened, right? The rebellion that Paul talks about, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, he's risen up and, and he's taking over the world and Jesus is coming back at any moment. Listen, guys, if Jesus himself said he didn't know when he was coming back, I think he probably knows the Bible better than we do, right? I'm not going to be smart enough to be able to read the times and the signs. I'm not going to be smart enough to be able to, to read through Scripture and figure out when he's coming back because even he didn't know. The Father's the only one who knows. So there's not, excuse me, <coughs> there's not going to be a, a sign of the end of the time, right? That's kind of the point. Um, in in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 2, if you still got your finger in 1 Thessalonians, flip over to 5 2 real quick. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. He describes what the second coming is going to be like. I know you know this. I want you to see it though. Link these two verses in your head because this is really uh, the foundation of this lesson. We know it can't be a superpower, military might, anything that's obviously. Oh, here's the second coming. It's coming up right after this. It will not be that. Well, why? Because this is the way the biblical writers describe the second coming. First Thessalonians 5, 2, Paul says to the same group of people, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a what? Like a thief in the night. Your house ever been broken into? You ever, had, you ever been carjacked or had your car broken into? What would you do if you knew someone was going to break into your house at 11.59 on Tuesday night? I'm sitting there with the police, right? <laughs> sitting there with a gun or sitting there with, with something. And they walk through the door like, aha, I got you. And I scare them and then instead of them scaring me, right? That's what we do if somebody's going to break into our house. But Jesus says, excuse me, Paul says that when Jesus returns, it's going to be like a thief in the middle of the night. You're going to be surprised. You won't have been able to figure out when he's coming back because not even he knows. He says the same thing um, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Literally uses the exact same analogy, like a thief in the night. You don't know when he's coming back. That's the point. You live righteously from the moment of your baptism all the way to the moment of your death so that you can have the crown of life that he's promised you. Because you're not going to be able to get it all together in the five minutes right before he comes back. Because you don't know when he's coming. Okay. So, who is the Antichrist? 
According to John, it is people who are against Jesus. There are some people in his day that have left the church and now they are teaching things that are contrary to truth. Everybody with me? So, what do we need to do about this? Is there something that we need to do in relation to the Antichrists or the man of sin, the man of lawlessness? We need to grow up. We need to read our Bibles. We need to know them. So that when and if, when someone tries to sell you a lie about him, you don't fall for it. You're not like children tossed to and fro like Paul says in in the book of Ephesians. You're not like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but you're steady, you're you're solid. You know the Bible, you know the truth, and you're not willing to take a lie over the truth. Don't buy into this this lie, uh, this fantasy that, that our world has portrayed of the second coming of Jesus. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when he's coming back. But you better be ready when he does. Make sure that you've done everything in your power to be ready for that second coming. You need to grow up. We all need to grow up to put our faith and our trust in him to to read our Bibles, to study our Bibles, uh, to live in fellowship and community with each other, to push each other to greater depths of spirituality. We need to work the spiritual disciplines. This is who we need to be, not what we need to do, because sometimes we get distracted by actions, right? And and if I say that I've prayed three times a day, I can check that off my list. (coughs) If 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 I've got on my checklist, read your Read three chapters a day, that's great, but then I can check it off my list and I just blow through it and I never really pay attention to it. It's not what we do so much as who we are. If you are the right person, if you are righteous, then what? You'll want to pray three times a day or five times or ten or fifteen times a day. You will want to read your Bible. Not just those three chapters, but study them in depth. Maybe it's just one word, maybe it's ten chapters, but you will want to do those things, right? That's what I think we do about this question. Who is the Antichrist? I think we grow up and we grow down deep inside of him so that we're not able to be moved by every wind or fantasy that comes along our way. This morning, if you've not been baptized into Christ, you're still lost in your sins. But that's not the way it has to continue to be. You can be saved. You can have your sins washed away and after having put on Christ in baptism, become a brand new person. David talks about uh, the desire to have a brand new heart because his old one is so riddled and full of sin in Psalm 51. That's what God's offering this morning. If you're struggling, you need to be having having your sins washed away. He can give you a brand new heart, make you a brand new creation, one who's solely focused on serving him and prioritizing his will over your own. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you're struggling. We want to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
Good morning, church family. Hope everyone is doing all right this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to visit with us this morning. If you can take a moment to file a visitor card in front of you, so that way we can have a record of your attendance and place it in the black box in the back. We greatly appreciate that. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, this coming Wednesday is Stepping Stone Supper. Uh, chicken and noodles is on the menu. Um, please come out and help support our mission fund uh, with Stepping Stones, and that is this Wednesday uh, at 5.30. Also, uh, tonight, uh, on December 3rd, there's a teen holiday gift exchange at the Williams House after services tonight, and that is for the teenagers. Uh, so all teenagers are, are uh, welcome to come to that, and that's a $5 gift exchange. It could be whatever you want. Um, I know in the past it's been some crazy things. These kids have, uh, I remember Blake one year had a chair, it was like this tall, and they kept passing it around back and forth, and no one wanted it, so, but it kept getting passed around, it was great. Um, also, um, uh, this Tuesday, um, we're doing something a little different this Tuesday. Uh, Ernie Hall uh, from Hall's Funeral Home is coming to speak on how to plan uh, um, your funeral. Um, I've done my fair share of funerals, and it, it and there's always something that the family misses. And this is an opportunity for us to, you know, we don't want to lay that burden all on our family when that happens. And this is an opportunity for us to hear um, what a professional, you know, what he does for a living and help prepare us for that time comes. Um, so that is this Tuesday at six. No. This Tuesday at six thirty. Yes, here at the, here at the building. So I do encourage you to come to that. Um, also next Tuesday's Young at Heart at ten thirty. Uh, this Thursday it'll be here at the building. Uh, the preschool will be singing us songs and serving us uh, lunch that day. So anybody's welcome to come to that. Uh, it's always very sweet uh, for the preschool we shine to, um, to do that. Also, our mission team is needing some ribbon and bows and boxes for gift wrapping at Huntington Mall. Um, also, the Holiday Cookie Exchange is uh, December 14th on Thursday at 6.30 Thursday, Thursday at, at Linda White's house. Um, you're to bring two dozen cookies and some finger foods, and all ladies are invited to this event. Um, also, college and young adult uh, gift exchange is December 20th uh, after Wednesday services, and this will be held at uh, the Parker's house. Also, if you can help out pick up uh, some of our older members on uh, Wednesday and Sunday night, um, uh, please see me. Um, we're needing help uh, to, to pick some, some of our members up, uh, so if you can help out with that, please see me. Also, we're needing teachers for preschool on Wednesday. If you can help out teach uh, on Wednesday to preschool kids, um, we would greatly appreciate it. Please see Jeremy or Connie after services uh, this morning. Um, also, keep our uh, eighth graders at Fairland in your prayers at this time. Uh, they are heading to uh, D.C. Uh, tomorrow morning at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I know they have to get there at 2.30 in the morning um, so they don't get to sleep in so but uh, you know they want to um, but um, 
they, uh, they're heading to D.C. That's Macy Sullivan and um, Sam and Aiden Knapp. Uh, they're headed to uh, D.C. Um, so keep them in your prayers and safe travels and safe travels back. Um, also, uh, updates on our prayer list. Um, keep Liam Young in your prayers. Uh, he's a four-month-old baby. Um, he's having her hernia surgery um, tomorrow morning. So keep um, anytime infant you know has surgery, uh, keep keep Liam Young in your prayers at this time. Also, Becky Zimmerman uh, fell uh, uh, last week and she broke her back. Um, she is now at home uh, recovering, but uh, keep Becky Zimmerman in your prayers at this time as well. Uh, remember, we continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus, Jim Haney, Jim Martin, and Chuck Davison and uh, Jackie Hutchison in your prayers as they continue with their cancer treatments and keep those doctors and nurses uh, that are tending to them in your prayers as well. Uh, and pray that they recover soon. Uh, keep Judy and Marvin Jordan in your prayers. Uh, they, last week they had COVID. Uh, Marvin was at St. Mary's. Uh, he's now at home. He got home yesterday. So keep him in your prayers and Judy as they recover. Keep Carol Nolin. That's Jerry Stevens' uh, sister. She still remains at um, in Ironton, there at the facility. She goes through rehab. Keep Friday Simpson in your prayers. She needs them. Also, keep Terry Spitzer in your prayers. And Beverly Edwards, it's good to see her with us here this morning. Um, continue to keep her in your prayers as she recovers from her knee surgery. And also keep uh, Jerry Stevens uh, in your prayers as well. Uh, Jerry had emergency gallbladder uh, surgery yesterday. Um, he uh, he's, was feeling better, but he's not feeling that good right now. Um, but uh, keep him in your prayers. He needs them. Uh, at this time, the families ask for no visitors as well at this time. Um, so that's all the announcements I have. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Okay. Uh, also, uh, ladies' Bible class at 10. All ladies are invited to come to this. I mean, I always see these ladies laugh and have a good time at this Bible class. I don't know how much studying they get done because I hear them laughing so much because I'm not invited. But, um, you know, but I do encourage you to go to this because they're always cheerful and, and encouraged at the end of this Bible class. So, if you, you know, if you have time on Tuesday, please come to this ladies Bible class at 10 o'clock. I know uh, you, you get a lot out of it. So that's all the announcements I have at this time. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 860. He is my everything. <clears throat> and after this hymn, Brother Ben Parker will have a have prayer. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my
please pray with me. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We thank you so much for this opportunity to come and meet, Lord, and gather and have worship. We thank you, Lord, for Chris's lesson and giving us a better understanding of the Antichrist. And we ask, Lord, that you help us plant our roots in you and in your word and not be scattered by the theories and fantasies that this world portrays, Lord. Please be with all those on the prayer list, Lord, and help give them the endurance and strength, perseverance they need, Lord, and help guide them. Lord, please be with us as we go into the week, Lord, and help open our minds and our hearts that we can use this lesson to better strengthen your kingdom. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.